Welcome to the Rainbow Skyline Podcast on The Athletic. Nice pass, Jokic! Not in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, it's all about the Nuggets right now. Rainbow. Rainbow. Hello and welcome to a... Uh, we're going to call this a special episode. I don't want to make it seem like it's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but a special Game 7 preview episode of the Rainbow Skyline Podcast. I'm Dave DeFore. Kendra Andrews is here, as always. And uh, late last night, we decided to rope in Jovan Buha. So, Jovan, what's up, buddy? How's it going? Uh, what's wrong with the Clippers? <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way. Because how, how, much, this is how much time the, do we have? <laughs> so the discourse, the discourse around this series has centered so much on what the Clippers aren't doing, uh, whether they're playing hard, whether they hate each other. There's all this stuff. But I want to throw a theory I have at you, Yovan, and you tell me how this sounds. The Denver Nuggets are a good basketball team. <laughs> That's my theory. They're pretty good at basketball, and and certainly they have issues. None of the teams remaining, I mean, none of the teams in the NBA are perfect. You know, there is no Golden State Warriors, but I, I think the Denver Nuggets have been winning this series. Uh, I think that's fair. I, I think anyone who, myself included, uh, you know, I, I did the preview pod with, with Kendra and um, I think we, we both had the Clippers in five, and mm-hmm. for me, really, the, the concern was on the defensive end for the Nuggets. And I thought that bore out through the first four games of the series. But the last two games, uh, their ability to lock in in the second halves of game five, uh, games five and six, you know, th- that to me has been the, the difference maker right there because um, I-, I just thought looking at Kawhi, what, what he's been able to do, and he- he's still been really good through the six games. Uh, and then Paul George has been a bit streakier. I was just like, these two are going to get whatever they want, and that's going to lead to other Clipper guys eating. Uh, other guys are going to step up, get open shots, um, actually make them, which has not happened. Uh, but, you know, it, it has been a complete role reversal where Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray have matched, if not surpassed, Kawhi and PG. And then the Nuggets have had the, the team with all the depth, the team with the better role players, the team with the guys making big shots in the third and fourth quarters. So... And they've been the better defensive team. So it's, it's been a complete role reversal over the last couple of games. And I guess technically through the series, if you just look at kind of how it's played out, where everything people thought the Clippers were going to do, the Nuggets have been doing. And if that continues in game seven, they're going to win the series. Kendra and I have just uh, since Gary Harris started mm-hmm. playing games, we just cannot talk enough about him. Uh, Kendra, Gary Harris is the key to this game. Game seven, just like he's been the key to this series. If you throw out that first game where everyone was dead tired, I think Gary Harris has actually been the most important player for for Denver. I mean, I agree with you. And I think that that dates back to when he came back from injury against the Jazz. His return first injected the team with just a little bit more energy, obviously more defense. And then, yeah, when you are playing a team like the Clippers, who not only have really strong offensive power, but are one of the best defensive teams in the league, you need to be able to at least match that defensive aggression. And I think this series, we've just seen how much of a 
kind of, I wouldn't use the word scrappy to describe the Nuggets before, but now just to see how scrappy of a defender Gary Harris is. And Dave, we talked about this last night, but how much his presence just helps other defenders like Tory Craig, like Jeremy Grant, having him on the floor makes their defensive jobs easier because now it's not just them who are assigned to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And it's just you two have to go and do it. He's able to go from player to player to player and make an impact on nearly every defensive matchup. Maybe not for some of like the bigger guys, cause he's, he's a pretty small guard, but his presence, especially on defense, just helps this entire team. And then also the fact that he's making shots opens the floor so much for Denver. It's another body that the Clippers have to worry about. Yovan mentioned the depth. And Gary Harris was really struggling on offense before the season stopped back in March. So to have him be able to, you know, find his shot somewhat again and spread the floor for the Nuggets is is really big for them. Yeah, I, I think that that is a great point that you made. It allows Torrey Craig to get off point of attack and become more of a helper, or it gives him another guy who uh, who he can trust defensively. Let's put it that way. And since Paul Millsap really isn't giving them a ton as that backline helper, they need all the help they can get up front. And I think that they've stumbled onto something with these lineups with Harris, Craig, and Grant, and it and it's really gumming up things for the Clippers. I mean, Jovan, the Clippers look like a bunch of guys that have never played basketball mm-hmm. together. This is something that that you and I talked about as like a fear, the lack of chemistry when they got to the playoffs. And I think it's rearing its head. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I think another thing with this team is is that they the second they get a lead, they tend to coast. They've now blown seven leads of 15 or more this season, which leads the NBA. Uh, Marcus Morris said it actually before game six, which I think is troubling. Before game six, he said, yeah, I mean, when we get up, we just tend to rely on how good we are. And, um, you know, we, we just take our foot off the pedal a little bit and uh, don't really care as much. But it's only happened a couple times, so we'll be fine. Well, they went out and it happened again in game six. And I think another part of this that I don't think he's gotten enough credit is Mike Malone has coached a hell of a series. He's out coached Doc Rivers. Um, he, he's made adjustment after adjustment with, with the rotation. Uh, with attacking guys like Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. Um, I thought a big uh, adjustment or, or kind of substitution that he made in game five was when the Clippers bought, uh, brought Trez back in at the end of the third. He brought back in Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to exploit him. Michael obviously didn't, uh, you know, d- hit his first field goal until that, that game ceiling shot, but Jamal did and, and Jamal got hot. Uh, hit a couple threes on Trez, you know, in Trez's drop coverage. And uh, I, I just thought Mike Malone has pushed the right buttons in this series. He obviously pushed the right buttons in the first round to, to get them uh, to, to seven and win that series. So um, I think Mike Malone, you know, we, we talk about Jokic, we talk about Murray, we, we talk about the different role players stepping up. But Mike Malone, I think, has done a great job in this series and deserves a lot of more credit than he's, uh, I think, getting right now. Um, I, I saw a great stat last night, and man, it, I, I should have saved it. But um, Denver's rebounding when Michael Porter is on the court has been insane. They're getting about eight extra points per hundred possessions on putbacks when he's on the court. Jovan, why can't they? Why can't they keep these guys off the glass when Porter's out there? 
Uh, well, I know a lot of Porter's minutes have come against the Montrez Herald, Jermichael Green front court, and those mm-hmm. are the only two Clippers right now who have negative the twin towers. <laughs> yeah, the, the the twin six foot seven towers. Um, they're the only two Clippers right now who have negative net ratings and plus minuses, and they're handcuffed together. Um, and the, I mean, I, I know you and I have discussed this before, but this has been a brutal series for Montrez Harrell. It's pretty much gone to the point that he's unplayable. Um, because Jermichael's numbers without Montrez are all positive. So the, the one common link here is Montrez Harrell's just been, you know, horrible in, in the postseason. Uh, probably cost himself a lot of money. He, he's a, uh, you know, unrestricted free agent this summer or this offseason rather. Uh, so I, I think Michael Porter Jr., I, I mean, this has been a thing with the Clippers all year though, where they are, they're a good rebounding team, but they're an inconsistent rebounding team. And that's kind of one of the, the key metrics of, when they lose, they tend to get out rebounded. And, um, you know, sometimes with the way this team rotates and scrambles, they're not always in position to box out, uh, especially if it's a guy like Lou Williams on the weak side, uh, if it is Trez on the weak side. So there are guys on this team that just aren't aware, won't box out. And I think Michael Porter Jr. has exploited that time and time again. And uh, again, that's, that's Denver's preparation. That, that's their, you know, video scouting. Uh, that's their game plan. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for how they've continued to adjust in this series. All right. Well, let's look at game seven. Kendra, what is the key to this game? I mean, we, we just said, you know, Gary Harris, super important. Mm-hmm. We all know that. We know Jokic needs to get his 30, you know, pro- maybe even more. Maybe he needs to get 35, 40. Uh, we know Murray has to do his job. But outside of these main cogs, what what's the key to the game for, for Denver? I mean, I would. I know. I know Denver does so well from kind of chasing from behind, and I think uh, they even made a joke on the broadcast of, "Oh, we should just start Game Seven at halftime with the Nuggets down 16 because they do such a good job of coming back." But if the Nuggets can play like they do when they are down 16, 17, 18, 19 points from the very beginning, I think that that. I mean, I'm not going to say that that's like the end-all be-all of a game. If they don't, then they're going to lose because we've seen that that's obviously not the case. But I think that would be to their advantage. And I think a continued effort from the bench. I think that's when we really started to see this turn for them is when guys like Jeremy Grant hit his open shots. Paul Millsap, even though he hasn't been the most um, effective player, efficient player, productive player. These past two games, we have seen more of him, more than we saw the entire Utah series. So I think getting more production from him is really good. So I think it's going to be all of, you know, you mentioned all the role players, but I think in addition to that, it has to be the bench players, the rotation players that continue to chip in 10, 12 points off the bench because especially if the the Clippers bench is struggling, the Nuggets need to win those bench minutes, those second unit minutes. I think that's been a game changer these past couple games, and I think that remains true for Game 7. Jovan, talk me out of the Clippers just being able to show up and try hard for 48 minutes and winning this game, because that's going to be the talking point from a lot of people and as they preview Game 7, but I don't think it's that simple. I don't think it's that simple either. Um, you know, I think one thing we've seen is that Doc loves his rotations. He, he loves his nine guys that he trusts and, and, and likes and, and likes to play in certain, you know, spots of the game. 
And that to me is, is, I mean, I, I thought this was going to cost them, you know, like next round against the Lakers, but it might even cost them earlier where, you know, even after the game, uh, Avita Zubats was a team best plus 11 in, in 30 minutes. Trez only played 15 minutes. You know, he, he's been playing fewer minutes, but he was a, uh, minus 19 in those 15 minutes. And Doc, after the game, said, if you look at plus minus, both of our centers were ineffective, which just doesn't make sense. It's just not true. And there's a 30-point difference between them. So, Well, the advanced numbers were not good for... I mean, yes. Avica Zubac didn't... Here's the thing, though. Avica Zubac went one for six from the floor, only scored two points. Trez scored five. So you give him the advantage. But Zubac had 12 rebounds and two blocks. Trez had one rebound and zero blocks. And I think that's been the difference is at least when Zoo's out there... Denver's done a great job collapsing him, blocking him at the rim, stripping him in the paint. But he's at least getting rebounds. He's contesting Nikola Jokic. I mean, Jokic basically said it without saying it that Zubats is the harder matchup for him. You know, oh, he, I mean, absolutely. He's got six yeah, inches on Trez. Like, yeah. you know, it's just he's a better defender. Um, so I, I do think if Doc continues to play Montrez Harrell 15 to 18 minutes, I think the Clippers are going to lose game seven. They've just been destroyed in those minutes. You know, some, some people are like, why can't they overcome that? It's like, Every possession in the playoff matters. Every minute in the right. playoff matters. If you are playing a minus, the, the player that's been the worst player in the series, I, I just don't see how the Clippers win that. Now, that being said, I do think Doc's going to have to adjust. I, I think he will. I don't think he's going to bench Trez out, outright, but I think he'll play him somewhere in like the 10-minute range, um, and, and maybe the Clippers can overcome that. I think it comes down to shots to an extent because in the first halves of, of games five and six, the Clippers shot 67%. On uncontested shots. In the second halves of those two games, they shot 41%. And part of that's clamming up. Part of that is, is, you know, De- Denver just kind of getting them out of their rhythm and, and their flow. But those are uncontested shots that, you know, they just have missed a lot of in the second halves. And I think if they can kind of, I don't know, I, I don't know what it is mentally that's gone wrong the last couple of games, but if they can kind of get over that and just kind of maintain that first half play into the second half, like, I do think they should win, but we, we've now seen it twice. I think Denver has all the momentum, all the pressure shifted to the Clippers. Uh, you know, in, in Jokic said that post game. So I don't know. I, I, I am leaning towards Clippers winning, but I do not feel good about it. All right. Prediction time. Kendra. I mean, kind of like Jovan alluded to, no matter which pick I pick, I'm not going to feel 100% good about it. I'm. <laughs> I am leaning towards Nuggets, which I can't believe. Like a week ago, I would. I don't think. Like again, Yovan and I did a preview show. We thought this was going to be over. We talked about five. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, you know, can't believe that I'm saying that the Nuggets might win this game seven against the Clippers because who thought that we were going to be here? But I do think it's a possibility. They thrive in these situations. It's almost like they prefer to play in playoff games where they might go home. At this point, they are so used to it that I, I honestly think it gives them this weird advantage. Like Jovan said, all the pressure is now on the Clippers. And I don't think the Nuggets ever felt that much pressure because there are no expectations about them. I think nearly everyone had the same conversation that the three of us have had of, well, it's the Clippers in five. There's, you know, the Nuggets will get lucky with one game and that's going to be that. But 
I think because of that, the Nuggets are playing so loose, so free. They're not overthinking. They're not getting stiff, getting stuck. They're just free-flowing. They're having fun. And that's when the Nuggets play their best basketball, and we've seen that all year long. Um, so I'm going to go Clippers. I mean, sorry, whoa. going to go Nuggets. But I think, again, the, I, I, I wouldn't also wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers won, but I'll go Nuggets. Yovan, is that kind of where you're at? If the if the Clippers do their job, they win. Yeah, well, I think one thing that's that's really stood out to me, um, and it's just kind of a random shooting number, but Lou Williams and Landry Shamit are combined six of forty on threes in this series. Um, I, I think that's got to regress or you know progress to the mean a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they're running out of time, but uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I mean, one game, man. I mean, yeah, so. I'm going to pick the Clippers and I'm going to pick the Clippers for one reason. Uh, last time Kawhi Leonard was in a game seven, he took 39 <laughs> shots, scored 41 points and hit one of the most iconic uh, game winning shots in NBA history. So uh, I think it's, you know, while I do think the Nuggets have put themselves in this great position, I would not be surprised at all if Denver wins. Um, you know, and I think this is like for me, like a 55 45 type thing where I'm just slightly leaning in the Clippers way. I think ultimately they have the better player. Uh, the, the guy that's been in multiple conference finals and, and finals before and who just did this last year in the conference semifinals in the East, um, against a, a really good Philly team. Uh, and I think. With their backs against the wall, like, again, talking about the pressure, the Clippers cannot lose this game as a franchise, as an organization. They've never made the conference finals. They're 0-7 in games to advance to the conference finals. And I think you're going to see some crazy stuff with, like, Kawhi playing 44, 45 minutes, PG playing similar. Like, I don't think they have that margin for error to just be like, let's trot out the same rotation. Like, I I think you're going to see a very desperate Clippers team in Game 7. Um, and, and if you don't, then, I mean, D- Denver could steamroll them. But um, I, my bet is on that. And I'm going to say Clippers are, are the slight favorites for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going Nuggets, uh, but fully aware that Kawhi Leonard could just, you know, decide to punch a hole through the earth and bury the Nuggets in it. I, I, I do know like Kawhi has that in him, but I just think the Nuggets have all the momentum and I believe in momentum. So. That's going to do it for today. We will be back later on this week after Game 7 to preview Nuggets-Lakers Conference (laughs) Finals. (laughs) I am. I'm leaning all in. Listen, we're we're all in on this. I think the Nuggets got this. Uh, Don't forget, folks, if you go to to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline, you can sign up right now for just a dollar a month. This is an incredible deal. Not only do you get the podcast ad-free, but you get all of our incredible coverage across all major sports, one buck a month. Pretty amazing. So go to theathletic.com slash Rainbow Skyline and sign up now because this promotion won't last forever. Yovan, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, For Kendra, I'm Dave, and uh, we'll talk to you later on this week.